Welcome back to All About Bikes presented by Pivot Cycles. In this episode, we sit down with CEO and president of Pivot Cycles, Chris Kokalis, and the South Mountain local rider, Ryan Collis, to discuss the recently redesigned Trail 429. This is previously recorded episode from when we launched this bike in February 2021, and we wanted to upload this episode for all our new listeners on this podcast. The Trail 429 has a rich history for Pivot Cycles, which can be traced back to Pivot's flagship bike, the Mac 4. The Trail 429 quickly became our most popular bike when the first modern version launched in 2018. Beloved by so many riders, Chris and the Pivot team set out to improve the already amazing capabilities of this bike for what is now the current and newly redesigned version of the Trail 429. So let's jump in and hear about what Chris and the Pivot team changed on this model and get some first ride impressions for Ryan Collis. Enjoy! Hi, I'm Chris Kokalis with Pivot Bikes and this is Ryan Corliss. Ryan is, uh, does some videos for Pivot and also is a hell of a rider and does a video series of his own, uh, shredding South Mountain and showing off some of the gnarliest trails uh, that, that we have to offer here. I do my best, yeah. Um, and Ryan is here because he's spent some, uh, some good amount of time on the new Trail 429. Uh, so we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. So um, actually uh, we can start off talking about the size of the bike. So um, one of the things on the new bike is we wanted to make the new Trail 429 um, a better balanced bike for more aggressive trail riders. So the this bike actually has slightly longer reaches than the, than the switchblade, um, steeper seat angle, and um, yeah, you need you noticed that immediately when you were out on the bike. Yeah, I wouldn't tell you what any of the geometry was. Parking lot test, you noticed right away. So yeah, it's uh, we kept the chain stay short, but uh, definitely have pushed pushed the reaches out there. So. It's um, really as if we've almost jumped a size in bikes. So I believe the medium's at 460, the large is at 475. Like I mentioned, Ryan's a pretty aggressive rider uh, and you have been pushing this bike on uh, trails that I would say are would normally be beyond the limits of a 120 millimeter travel You would bike. think so, yeah. But uh, that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. So. It's designed to be fun and be able to handle that sort of thing, all of that stuff. Um, the, uh, I was doing a lot of testing with both the medium and the large. If I was riding a lot of the more aggressive trails, um, and that's where my preference uh, lied on the end of the spectrum, I would definitely be on a large. Um, but if you own a lot of bikes, I have a switchblade as well. And that is the bike I'll use for more aggressive rides. And then all the way on the other end of the spectrum to something like 24 hour racing, um, more aggressive endurance racing. Um, this bike is still very, very capable. Um, and there's a lot of other changes that make it really preferable for that end of the spectrum as well. And for that, I like to go onto a medium bike. So um, it's a long bike for you at 5'8". Uh, I'm five. 11 and a half um, and I'm I'm on a medium with a longer stem so I'm running a 55 millimeter stem I think you were either on a 35 or a 45 millimeter stem yep uh, so we also have the steeper seat angle on the bike it uh, it allows the bike to be really versatile for a lot of different riders um, so if you're looking at the trail 429 
really important to look at that sizing chart and know that you, for a lot of riders, they could jump between two sizes. Frames are super compact um, and you can really pick it based on the reach that's comfortable for you. So if you're more XC trail, then maybe one size smaller. If you're wanting to go more aggressive, have something more towards your enduro bike, yep. then you can do that as well. Yep. Um, both of us, the last couple of days, been riding with the uh, the standard trail build, which is a DPS rear shock and a 130 millimeter travel 34 on the front. Uh, tell me about what you think about that setup. Well, I was going into it being a gravity orientated rider thinking, oh, I'm going the enduro build 100%. But after riding this and like taking it down all my favorite greatest hit trails on the west side, um, I'd probably stick with the current trail build, to be honest. It's more than capable, um, super stable at high speed. And I think I'm like you, I'd go the Switchblade as my more aggressive bike, keep this trail orientated yep. for sure. So we do have multiple builds in this. So there's the trail build with this setup. If you do uh, tend towards the more aggressive, if you really only have one bike to do it all, yep. which is the case with a lot of people, yep. um, and, it, and it is more towards the aggressive end of the spectrum, then the Enduro build um, comes with the DPX2, and the DPX2 is a reservoir shock that um, the latest version of it that we developed for the Switchblade has new pistons, new valving, um, really a rework of the, all the internals of the shock, and that same uh, setup technology style of valving makes it over to the new Trail 429. And then uh, we match that up with a 36, 140 millimeter travel fork. So a 10 millimeter increase there. And that gets the grip two damper as well. So it's kind of the full enduro setup. That'll give the bike a little bit plusher feel overall. And of course, more oil volume and the ability to um, smack stuff harder on, yep. for longer amounts for longer of time, distance, just really yeah. the oil volume and the suspension uh, makes that change. I think the confidence inspiring feeling on this bike, you could definitely push the current trail setup to its limits for yep. sure, because you're just not holding back whatsoever. And I, that's what I was finding on that, but it held its own for sure on some of the stuff that I'd class as all mountain to downhill sort of west side riding. One of the cool things I've, when testing the bike and we were working on the the flip chip setup for this bike, we have it classified as low and lower. Um, so the BB is lower in general, allows you to feel more settled in on the bike. Um, what I'm finding when I'm riding the large uh, in stuff that is a less aggressive terrain is that unless you're riding aggressively always over the front, you do have that nature of a longer bike that you have to keep weight over the front end and ride more aggressively all the time. Yep. But if you flip the chip to the low setting or the, the higher of the two settings, that puts more weight on the front end, um, kind of does that for you and you can relax a little bit more on the bike. So you have that versatility even if you are going to the slightly more aggressive end of still having something that can handle more neutral and more XC-ish, um, really take still maintaining the nature of what the Trail 429 has always been and the rider that it's always been there for. So um, just opens up the spectrum much greater on the new design. Yep, I was running it in the lower setting the entire yep. time, just yep. kept it lower. And um, 
yeah, I, I didn't feel like it, it, like the power transfer, standing, sitting, like the platform um, was amazing. So uh, even in the lower setting, it was, it climbed like a dream, to be honest. So everybody, when we, when we ship the bike, um, or frames, uh, it'll, it'll be always in the lowest setting. So, uh, always feel free to experiment with that. And like I said, if you're going a little bit more aggressive and you're, but your tr terrain that you're always riding in is not so aggressive, that shift in the, in the steepening of the head angle and the raising of the BB a little bit, again, it's just a half a degree, but it does make a difference on putting mm. more traction on the front end. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, Canada, BC area, definitely going longer and, and having the lower aggressive setup makes the bike fantastic in that type of terrain as well. Yep, yep. Um, so there's a couple other things on the bike because not only did we want to make it a more capable bike in the one direction, we also wanted to make it more capable in the other direction. So big thing is a huge focus on weight reduction on this bike. Um, the, uh, the XTR build shown here is uh, 26 and a half pounds for a medium um, bike. Uh, really lightweight for a trail bike. The um, new set of Reynolds carbon wheels, it's made with the same composite material that Reynolds used on Bernard Kerr's um, signature DH wheel set. And uh, our DH team raced on those rims for two seasons without any rim failures. Mm. So bringing that material into this wheel set with a much lower profile wheel, it's a really nice trail bike wheel set. Uh, I believe it's right around 14, 1450 grams for the complete wheel set. Um, and you feel that weight when, yes, yep. the, or the lack of it accelerating up on the bike. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, it's, that's one of the things you notice right away is the, the weight or lack thereof yep. to the point where you're comparing it to the Mark IV SL in a lot of ways and it's so lightweight. Yeah, and that was the, the goal. With the, some of the original prototypes when we were doing the layups, uh, we actually had some frames that came in slightly lighter than the Mach 4 SL. That's impressive. They, they didn't meet the stiffness requirements, um, but it was kind of neat to ride a trail bike that, that light. Yeah, that's so um, capable. So yeah, when, we, when it was all said and done, um, you know, we're talking weights of about 0.3 pounds difference between a Mach 4 SL frame and the Trail 429 frame and yep. uh, complete bike weights. Obviously, you've got bigger tires. It's still slightly you know, super boost, wider wheel sets. Everything's still burly enough to handle uh, everything you can throw at it, but right in there with some of the lightest weight XC yeah. bikes on the market. Yep, super impressive. And then for those type of riders that are really looking in that direction, um, spent a large amount of time tuning on the live valve system for this bike. So um, on something like a Mach 4 SL, the focus is really cross-country performance all the time. So even when the live valve is turned on, turning on or off on bumps, the, the overall suspension firmness is still on the firm to super firm yep. setup. And on this, um, com even compared to the Mach 6, the Switchblade, any other bike in the line, the difference between open and closed is quite radical. So if you're racing a 24-hour race or a faster, shorter XC race, 
um, when the live valve is activated, you have really the same pedaling performance as a Mach 4 SL. When you hit bumps, you actually have a suspension system that is more open than even the DPS is normally valved and running. So um, it, and it's, and it's instantaneous and seamless. So um, for those running the live valve system, that really gives you everything, the ability to really attack stuff, yep. uh, aggressive technical, and have that pure snap XC performance out of the bike. Um, we just kept kind of bracketing and testing wider variations. So it was driving the Fox guys a little bit crazy because it's not the way we've typically valved our live valve setup. So yep. um, I'm super excited about how that works on this bike. And, um, and people will probably notice the biggest difference between the, the, uh, the, the versions of suspension. Because yep. on a Mach 5.5, on a switchblade, um, we don't, we don't want that change so radical. So it's kind of like having a DW link that already pedals great, but then pedals a little bit better. And on a downhill opens up and gets a little bit plusher on this one. The variation is pretty, is vast. pretty huge. Yep. Um, yeah. So along those lines, the vertical shock. Yep. The new Trunnion mad shock. It's, it's really nice to have that. We've got several bikes with it. The Trunnion uh, shortens the length overall, makes things more compact. You can see the bike has got really clean lines, low, low standover on the bike. The upper linkage is almost compact, as compact as the Mach 4 SL linkage. Again, everything, uh, uh, that big focus on shaving weight. Yep. Uh, and then all the other things are there that we've been doing on the latest generation of pivot bikes and that frame protection underneath great frame protection all the way around on the, the chain stay, seat stay, so the bike is kept quiet uh, on top of the DW link, so rocks don't get in there. That's one of the things I absolutely love about the pivot box is the attention to detail, like the laser etching on the hardware and the integrated um, frame protection. The internal cable routing system is like, just makes it a perfect build. It Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. The, uh, Sometimes you don't see that on a lot of manufacturers' bikes. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I and, and the other guys that work on this, a lot of people in the company came up as bike mechanics um, and race mechanics and uh, being able, for the, from the shop side or the cu customer side, um, there's nothing more frustrating than when it comes time to have to replace your, your cable housing and it's a five hour swear fest. Yep. <laughs> Because originally some little piece of plastic was fed through the frame. Uh, sometimes I wonder how they even got it through there yeah. the first time. Yep. And now you have to, to replace some, some cables or housing and you're just totally screwed. I've been and, there. <laughs> so the whole uh, pivot cable port system was really designed to be able to have it be rattle free. Yep. Um, just about as quick as in the old days when we had external routing. Um, and the ability to get everything tight, secure everything easily with big enough ports so you can see the housing coming through. Um, we also, on the underside, just like we did with the new Mach 6, there's a new uh, cover that accesses the down tube, allows you to get the dropper post up in there. Yep. But the new cover is buried up even further and uh, features the mount for our new dock tool system. So yep. um, we have those mounts available underneath the bottom bracket and underneath the top tube as well. So um, 
so you have access to tools in several different places yeah. and have to carry less or really nothing on you. Every size bike also uh, can fit a large water bottle case yeah. too. Large water bottle, tube, tool, all fits in there. And yeah. I love that you've got the, the cable ports on both sides for us. Motor yeah, uh, we had a, we had, I it, it actually might have been this model in its previous generation where we didn't yeah, put yep. it on the one side. And uh, yeah, the you've moto got, style, the Aussies, the, yeah. the UK, they the cables are furious for yeah. us for one bike model for not having that. So that's back on, and has been back for since the new Switchblade. So. Yep. so yeah, just some other little details on this bike. Um, we... The Mach 6 came out just before the Trail 429, and that marked a change to a 31.6 seat post um, with the shorter seat tubes and much deeper insertion depth. Uh, we actually can have more space inside. The seat posts themselves have a little bit more material around the air cartridge in the 31.6 size. Mm -hmm. uh, so this gets that change and update to the 31.6. It also goes to the universal derailleur hanger. Um, the universal derailleur hanger is uh, is exactly like it sounds. It's a universal derailleur hanger, and there's, I believe, it was developed by SRAM, although obviously a Shimano derailleur fits on it just fine because it, it does fit all the normal derailleur standards, but it was developed by SRAM as an idea of uh, a universal piece that if somebody breaks or damages their derailleur hanger, they could go to any bike shop, Bike that's park, a, whatever. That's an awesome idea. And the same derailleur hanger will fit a lot yeah. of bikes. Yeah. And uh, they got such a good uptake on it. I believe there's within the next year there'll be about 450 models in the marketplace from a lot of different manufacturers that'll use the UDH hanger. So yeah. that's that's really cool. Um, some of the other spec on the bike. Uh, what did you think of the dissector tires? I actually love them. I love the setup. I think it's perfect for this bike. Um, you know, for low rolling resistance where you need it and corner knobs, uh, side side knobs where you need them for grouping those turns. So yeah. I, I never really stray far from um, DHF and I've been running an Assegai and I've definitely run the dissector on the rear, but the front and rear combo I think is perfect for this bike in 2.4. Yeah, it's a great evolution of everything Maxxis. It takes kind of a combination of what, what they do very well. So. Yep. Um, it's fast. It's definitely a fast tire. In, in our terrain, uh, drier stuff, um, and even on the rear occasion that it rains here, the, the climbing traction is phenomenal. Um, even though it's a fast rolling tire, it maintains those, those great side knobs, as you said. Yep. And, then, um, and then they've got nice spacing too, so um, it, uh, it's a decent tire in the, in the roots and mud. It's not like a forecaster or something like that. That's yeah. just a pure mud tire, but yeah. it'll get the job done pretty much anywhere you're riding. Yep. Yep. And I think it was a perfect choice for this, this bike that tends to want to rip down hills, I think. So yep. So fast. It's and not an furious. XC tire. So yeah, uh, other things on the spec, it's uh, follow essentially what we do with all of our builds. We have uh, builds available in both SRAM and Shimano. We have our race level builds uh, that come with performance level suspension. And then we go to the pro level builds that have the Kashima uh, stuff. And so in the pro level, we have the standard, the enduro, and the live. And that's also in the team level. And then the team level, carbon wheels come standard. You have full XTR uh, or full axis. 
SRAM builds. Um, and so we've got kind of three different price levels. Uh, and whether you're, you uh, prefer SRAM or Shimano, we got you covered. Uh, came out with our new handle grips a little while ago. We're getting I love great the reviews on, on the those. The lock-on grips are fantastic. Yep. Super comfortable, super grippy, um, good control, and then um, good protection on the end. Uh, and yeah, we just try super hard to make sure every part of the spec is dialed and that no matter what build uh, you choose on the Trail 429, um, it's all stuff I would personally love to ride and, yep. and be happy with. So um, really black or gold in the price point. And then those, those wheels are just freaking fast. Yep. yep. And the color. And You've the color. got a blue one. We've got a blue one. Uh, love the blue. We've got the new silver. We've never done that before. And uh, yeah, it's a hard choice. Yeah, I was convinced on the blue and then I saw your silver one and I'm like, mm, I think I prefer the silver. Yeah. I was looking back at your blue going, ah. Yeah. I it's can't the lighting, not have right? a blue bike, so. Yeah, yeah, but it's a hard, if if the color's your hardest decision, then and if they're both <laughs> good and you'd wrong. be happy with either one, then, yep. then that's a, a good good problem to have. So yep. anyway, that's all the details on the new Trail 429. And Ryan, thanks for taking the time to go over this with me. And uh, yeah, it's a bike that'll handle really a huge range of of riding capabilities and. Uh, um, yeah, if, you're, if your preference is something a little less travel than the switchblade, um, but you're scared if it's going to handle pushing the limits, it'll handle pushing the limits. I think the uh, previous one was blurring the lines, and this one obliterates the lines between XE trail and even up into that all mountain stuff. Yep, lighter, faster, more capable. I mean, that's kind of we want to. If with I had one bike, if you could only have one bike, this would be the one to have. Yeah, so awesome. Thanks again. Thanks for having me.